This is the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast for women over 50 who have a lot of living yet to do, who want to enjoy the ride for as long as they can in good health and with a sense of humor, maybe a little wine. I'm Gregory Ann Cox, and I believe it's time to bust the myth that aging equals decline in every area of life. Nonsense. I would say something else, but I'll keep it clean for now. Aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin your life. You just need to get a little rebellious in your approach. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebellious Wellness Over 50 podcast. Today, I have somebody that I've had the pleasure to talk to before. We're kind of kindred in our ways of thinking about health and healthy aging. Alicia Jones, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This over 50 thing, it's either people hear about it all the time or they don't hear about it in in time until they're like in the throes of it, right? But a lot changes at 50 from a perspective of the physicalness of us. What really goes on when we're 50, Alicia? Well, there are many things going on over 50. Let's talk about perimenopause, menopause, and people don't actually speak a lot about perimenopause. They group themselves immediately into the menopause category, but perimenopause is actually where a lot of the symptoms come in. Many women feel bloated. They get weight gain, fatigue, brain fog. They start to feel like they're losing their lean mass or becoming wobbly and they lose their quality of life. I think also you're in a very busy stage of life. You're very, very busy. I mean, for many, you're a sandwich generation. You can care mm-hmm. of parents. You know, you've got kids, they've grown up, but they still need you. You know, you've got family responsibilities and career or a job that you're still focusing in on. You're not quite at that retirement age yet. I feel like if there's not a balance or a stress management in some way as well, you can start to feel almost as though you're run down. You've, I hear a lot of women say, I feel old. When Mm -hmm. reality, it's that they haven't slept in a long time, they haven't been taking care of themselves, and there's a necessity to focus on themselves a bit more and start taking care of you. Yeah, exactly. Good way of putting it. I started Rebellious Wellness, although it had a different name. It was called Midlife with a Vengeance way back when. When I started to go through perimenopause, I, I was life coaching, I had a health nutrition background, and I just started talking about what was going on in my life. And that's when people started to say, oh my gosh, tell me more. What do you mean? What are you doing for your not sleeping? What are you doing for this? What are you doing for that? And so that was many, many years ago, but it is, and it was maybe more in the mainstream then, perimenopause. Now we really have moved into this menopause, empowerment, anti-aging, which is great, all important, not anti-aging, I'm sorry, Mm anti-ageism. But perimenopause is a really Mm, roller coastery time for many people. Some people don't experience it different than their normal day to day. And I would love to have been one of them, but <laughs> I was not. What were your symptoms? Well, I started to get sleepy, not sleeping. Then I got really bad hot flashes and night sweats. I was engaged to my then husband and he's younger than I am. And I thought, I've got to get this handled because every time he wants to touch me, I'm like, don't touch me. I'm too hot. I just go away. Right. It was bad. So I I started doing research and I first went to Chinese medicine and herbs and all these lovely things and nothing was working. So I finally found a functional medicine doc who said, Hey, let's look at your thyroid to make sure that's not complicating things, which it was, but also suggested bioidentical hormones, just a little to kind of even out those symptoms. And that was sort of magic for me. Not for everybody, but 
Yeah, definitely. But you bring up the thyroid and I, I don't know if many women know that thyroid issues start to take place over 50 as well. And women are affected more than men. And so it is crucial to take a look at your thyroid numbers, both for hypothyroidism, but also you might be hyperthyroid as well. That's something to take a look at. That might actually be creating heart palpitations and mm -hmm. menopause or, or it leads to feeling hotter than your already hot flashes. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of women will just be cold. They'll get a hot flash, but then they'll be extraordinarily cold in the, in the next hour, which, you know, you should go from hot flash back to sort of baseline, right? Normal. And I will plug once again, find a doctor who will give you a thorough thyroid blood panel, not just a TSH number, because it's just not enough. It, it's not enough for anybody, even the most healthy person, unless you could be healthy and having symptoms Maybe you don't need anything to help with that. But if you're having symptoms and they're taking away from your quality of life, you need more than your TSH tested. Oh, yeah. Which I think brings up a good point. You went to see a functional doctor and you should absolutely, whether it's functional or mainstream, whatever you choose, no, no pressure, but it should be someone that listens to you. And I exactly. can't tell you how many of my clients have gone to their doctor, asked for blood panels and their doctor have said, that's ridiculous. This is normal. This is what happens when you age. You just have to suck it up. This yep. is the next stage of life. And if that is what you're hearing, you need to find a new doctor that listens. Absolutely. And one of my least favorite expressions is this is what happens at your age. And part of the problem is doctors, they're not trained, right? They go through medical school. They have so many things to learn unless they specialize. And even endocrinologists who you think would be able to help with your endocrine system may not be trained in the thyroid and the pituitary and the, all those little glands that are responsible for how we feel, basically everything about how we feel. Yeah. It's a specialty and a subspecialty even within that. So, but you have to do a little work because there's nothing worse than being dismissed and then going home with symptoms or going home with a prescription for an antidepressant, which I know is not uncommon. Yeah. Not going to solve your issues. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the thing about, so some docs may say, well, you just have to suck it up. They're just symptoms and they'll pass but it's going to take a toll somewhere else in the body oh, than absolutely. what you're feeling. Heart is one. We just spoke about yep. heart and arthritis, arthritic symptoms. And, you know, a lot of times as well, especially with hypothyroidism, it's also linked to a reduction in certain vitamins. Like sometimes vitamin D is hmm. highly connected to thyroid function. So you also probably want to get your panels checked for vitamin D, calcium, mm -hmm. omega-3s are, are an important vitamin over 50 as well. You're, it's not like you're testing for that, but you, you want to make sure that you're getting the vitamins and nutrients that you need. Yeah. And you can get an omega test. These days, I think you can get a test for everything. But again, it's usually a functional medicine doctor who will suggest those things. The bottom line is, if it's a quality of life issue, you're not crazy. You deserve to feel better. You deserve to feel like yourself. So don't feel bad about making some noise and getting what you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on the other end of that, because we are talking about fitness today and health and women over 50, many women, they start to feel really tired. And so they don't exercise. So mm -hmm. It becomes a spiral. It almost is as I'm too tired to exercise. So then you don't exercise. So you feel even more tired and you feel even more lethargic. And so it's about figuring out whether or not you can find energy earlier in the day to exercise, or are you really so low in energy right now that exercise is not as valuable as sleep? And that's another really important. Topic. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, many try and push through a workout when in reality, they barely slept all night. You were talking about not sleeping. 
So if you're not sleeping and then you're trying to do a workout, you're breaking down the muscles before you build them up and breaking down basically physiologically, you're taxing your system. You've already taxed your system because you haven't slept. And so you're creating an unhealthy cycle. You mentioned lean muscle mass a few minutes ago. Talk about why that's important and what happens as we age. Yeah. So lean muscle declines every decade after your adult life. So at every decade after 20, you start to lose lean mass, but lean mass is in charge of your quality of life. It is what helps you not fall. It helps you walk up the stairs. It gives you energy because you are able to have more strength to do more within your day. And so if you are not using your lean muscle, it's declining with every decade. It's also connected to fat loss. So if you are somebody out there who wants to lose a little bit of weight and you aren't weight training over 50, then you're not boosting your metabolic rate because muscle is highly metabolically active. It is going to boost your metabolic system a little bit. So overall, everything to do with your lean muscle, it is the most important to in lean muscle and to enhance your lean muscle in a healthy way. You know, they, they show that one of the most powerful places to enhance lean muscle is in your legs because that is correlated to your quality of life. And if you think about it with age, falls do happen more. You need to make sure that your legs are strong enough, steady enough, and can move past obstacles in order to prevent falls. So you've got to work leg muscles. You've got to work your whole body to maintain the lean muscle and create strength, energy, and your best quality of life. Mm -hmm. And those big leg and butt muscles are also... It tied to the lymphatic system. So for people that sit a lot, whether you're working or lounging, or you just find that you don't have that much activity in your day, your lymph system is not getting the workout, quote unquote, that it needs to process that lymphatic fluid through the body, which is super important for all kinds of things. Plus the heart rate. If you can work that butt and leg muscles, even not running, you can do exercises just static, like go do squats. That's going to pump blood through your system, which is always super important. And let's not forget how important it is for the brain as we age to have blood circulation. Good yes, blood circulation. For the heart. So you, you bring up a good point. So when you do weight training, even if it's your own body weight that you're doing, like you're doing squats or you're just sitting in an isometric position, like you said, not moving, but you're bending your knees. What you do is you create heart strength for the muscle because more blood for a very short amount of time, your blood pressure spikes up, not in an unhealthy way, but it spikes up when you're doing any sort of weight bearing exercise. What that does is it creates a lot of force in the heart cavity and your heart has to become stronger and stronger. So you're creating this very strong muscle that can it, it push out the blood really powerfully, which is important because then it gets out of the heart and circulates really, really well. Like you talked about the circulation. Whereas when you do cardio exercises, cardio elongates the heart. So you, you're able to hold more volume of blood within the heart. So you really want both. You want to have the strength to eject out the blood and have it circulate. And you also want to have the length in order for there to be less heartbeat. So it takes longer for your heart to fill up with blood and then it's going to eject out. So for every heartbeat that you can save, that's a longer, healthier quality of life. I like that every heartbeat you're going to save, which is why many people will have heard about high intensity interval training. You're sustaining some level of cardio, but then you're ramping it up for 30 seconds, 90, two minutes, whatever your program is, and then letting it come almost back down. 
but not all the way down to resting. And that's that, you know, elongating and also creating this muscle that's super strong. And people say, oh, the heart is a muscle, but I think we forget it's like our muscles in our arms and our legs. It is truly a muscle and it works all day. So be nice yes, to your heart. <laughs> you don't get a break, you know, no. from, your heart has to beat all the time, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Right. Until it doesn't. And then we're not having podcasts anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what are your favorite exercises for, let's just start with somebody who's a beginner, somebody who, who likes to walk, great exercises, walking, especially if you've got an, a dog on the leash, you know, they're going to pep your step up a little bit. But what are your favorite beginner exercises? And then what would you say for people that are now, they've been exercising, but it's not kind of doing the same for them after 50 as it used to? So if you're brand new to exercise and you are pretty functional, as in your knees aren't killing you, your low back isn't killing you, then just as you mentioned, squats. So, But you can really make it simple for yourself. You're sitting in a chair, stand up, and then sit back down again. And mm -hmm. do that 15 times. That's going to create muscular endurance, and it's going to start to create strength in your legs. And if you do have a, a tiny bit of knee pain, but it's not enough for you to not do these squats, it's actually going to create strength around your joints. So it's going to help reduce pain overall in the long run. So you might be able to do more or your knees stop hurting and you can do more exercise. So I love that exercise. And just as you mentioned, it is a huge part of the muscle. It's the legs, but you're also getting into your core and your back when you do squats. It's basically a full body exercise and you want to get full body exercise movements because remember, you want to hit as much lean muscle as you can. So that is my favorite exercise. Another one is a row and a row is basically sliding your elbows along your side and squeezing your shoulder blades together. Again, you do not need to have weight if you're brand new. What you can do is just sit in your chair even, squeeze your shoulder blades back, pretend you've got a million dollar bill in between your <coughs> shoulder and you're trying to hold it there with your shoulder blades. Just doing this, it, it starts to create all the strength in your, your upper back muscles. It helps with posture. Over time, we tend to roll forward. This creates a lot of shoulder issues. So if you can really work those upper back muscles, you're going to create longer, taller posture, more strength, and reduce the risk of shoulder injuries, which is common over 50. It's one of the areas that gets injured most frequently. So those are my first two movements that I would do. If you're more advanced in your walking, you brought up a great point with high intensity interval training. You're walking your dog, but are you taking your dog up some strenuous hills, for example, that are going to spike your heart rate? So you're not really shifting your walk. What you're doing is maybe shifting the route of your walk and finding a route that has more hills in it, or maybe a flight of stairs that you could go up. Stairs are a great way to get your heart rate pumping. Um, and if you're weight training, what can you do to bring in high intensity interval training into your weight training routine? Now, do you, what about say plank? I'm thinking of the core. What's a good, somebody, they don't need any equipment. We're doing this at home. What do we got? Ooh, the plank is the best exercise you can do. A lot of women do crunches, but especially if you've had children, pelvic floor dysfunction is another thing we would probably need to talk about. It's you sneeze and you leak a little bit or you cough and you leak a little bit. That is not natural. It means your pelvic floor is weak. And then women start to do crunches or ab exercises where they're doing leg raises and their low back is arching. And there's so much pressure on the pelvic floor as well as creating a lot of back issues. So when you take all of those out and you start focusing on the plank, one, it helps strengthen the pelvic floor. Win-win. So you're going to sneeze and you don't have to go to the washroom. And at the same time, you're working 
all of your core muscles, the internal ones that act like a corset to really pull in your stomach, but they also surround your spine. They're around your spine as well. So you're creating stability in the spine, reducing back pain. So the plank is an amazing exercise. I find that some women, if you have a lot of pain in your shoulders, like especially if you're just starting, if you have pain in your shoulders when you're doing it, do it elevated. You can do it on the back of a chair with your hands on the chair and just create a slight angle or even use the wall. And that way it reduces the pain in the joints until you've created the strength in the joints to go at a lower and lower angle. So I used to do plank challenges just for myself. And I would do 100 day crazy up to five minutes. Now I can't, but it's because of my wrists. And so a lot of times when I used to take bar class and she'd say, we're going to do plank on our forearms, I would think, oh, that's so lame. Oh my God, it's harder. It's harder. It's harder. Closer to the ground. Yeah. The, the gravity shifts and it makes it harder. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess I mentioned that because if people like me, I can do maybe a minute and a half on my hands because my wrist then started to hurt. I just go down to my forearms. Don't think that it's cheating or anything. It's hard and it's core work. You can feel it. I get sweaty when I do core. You'll probably have to elevate yourself more if you're not used to that. So Mm. I'm sure when you were using your hands, you were able to go right down to the ground, but maybe you needed to adjust yourself, go down on your knees or have your- I see what you're saying. Just because it's harder to do it on your forearms. Absolutely. Do you ascribe to the five days a week, seven days a week, got to do it every day? People, what you recommend? No, I do not. I think first off, that creates quite a lot of pressure if you're just getting started with exercise. Many say, oh, I have to do something every day because if I don't, then I don't feel on track and, and you know, I have to check it off the list. But like I've mentioned before, you're the busy population. So if you're already really busy and you miss a day and then all of a sudden you miss another day and there's a lot of guilt that is surrounded with that, it's kind of like it's too hard, can't do it every day, it's too much, and then they give up altogether. In reality, you only need about, if you're doing weight training, for example, two to three days a week is all you need for weight training. So when I have someone that's a complete beginner and that is very busy, I say, listen, focus on getting your two to three days in. Once you've done that and you feel on track with that, then you can add more, do more. Great. And if you can't do more, great, you know, and also I think when it comes to cardio, um, those that are, you know, I've got to run every day. I've got to do as much cardio as I can every day. You're really taxing your cortisol system, your stress system, especially if you're already taxed. So you're taxing a system that's already taxed. You're creating poor health because of that. You're also creating more weight gain. If you're looking to lose weight, it's not cardio and doing more and more and more that's going to get you lose that weight. Yeah, because in case people don't know, cortisol is as well as a stress hormone. It's a storage hormone. It is helping us store energy for a later date. And when there's too much cortisol swimming around in our system, it just keeps storing things in the form of fat, usually belly fat, which is what we, for some reason, hate. Yeah, well, yeah, it's the belly. And also it it affects insulin levels. It's Mm -hmm. connected to insulin. So you could be spiking your insulin levels and more fat or pushing yourself towards insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes. So breast management is really important. And you're not going to manage your stress by trying to do as much as you possibly can and more and more and more. It's true. And I've read when I wrote my book, which was during that perimenopause time, probably right after I talked about the different myths. And one of them was the myth that more exercise at this age 
because we feel like we're losing muscle, we may be putting on a few pounds. So we're going to do more exercise. And what my research found that was, it's actually counterproductive, kind of like what you were saying, because you're raising your stress level. You probably already stress. Even people that say, I'm not stressed. I can handle it all. Mm, could be a little bit of, you know, a little stress in there that you didn't notice. And I think a little bit is fine if it's not bothering you. But when you do have a lot in your life and you try to do more of that physical exercise, it really is not the answer. It doesn't give you the results you want. And it, like you said, it's just making things worse in the stress department. Yeah. And we spoke about lean mass as well. Cortisol is catabolic. That means it breaks down your lean mass. So if you're trying to do more and more exercise to get more lean muscle, to create that strength, maybe to lose a few pounds, it's counterproductive for you to try and do more elevate your cortisol levels because it is literally breaking down the lean muscle that you're working so hard to create, to enhance. So a little bit of a break, girls. Give yourselves a little bit of a break. Yeah. And hello, that that sounds fun to me. Being able to take some time off, you know, yeah. maybe have a weekend off. If I, I can't tell you how many people are busy on the weekend. There's a lot going on, especially now, you know, you want to be able to see family and be with loved ones and get the groceries done. So there's a lot going on. So if you don't have the time, that's great. That's perfect. Let your body rest and heal. And imagine that is literally when your body is repairing to a new level of strength. Yeah, that's what rest does. I got some kind of bug a little while ago and I have a Peloton and the Peloton, when you sign in, it shows you your calendar and it says you've got a 52 week streak or an 87. And I was sick, like three days would not go near. I didn't want to do yoga classes. And I saw myself inching towards, I'm going to lose my streak. But I thought, so be it. I didn't feel well and I could have done something, but I thought my body is asking me to rest. And so I rested. And the day before I was going to lose my status, I got back on the bike and I did an easy ride. I know how important it is to keep the blood flow going even as you're coming out of something or if you just have a cold, stimulating microphage to fight the infection, all that good stuff. At first, I was like, oh, I have to exercise. It's like, what are you, crazy? You can barely breathe. <laughs> you're all stuffed up and coughing. Just relax. Oh, gosh. Well, that's where you have to assess as well, right? So it was good. I think it's so good that you're able to assess that right now I need the rest and right now I need to, to make myself move. And I think that's really really important to listen to yourself. I want to get your opinion on, we talked a little bit about if people want to lose weight, I don't like to put the emphasis on whether you should or shouldn't lose weight. It isn't a, it isn't a should or a shouldn't, but what's your opinion about the stress involved in trying to be a weight you're no longer ever going to be mm -hmm. trying to be that so that you feel good about yourself. Like I can get back into my size eight jeans when really I was comfortable in a 12, like where's yeah. the balance there? Yes. I think first and foremost, we were talking about this a little bit before as well. With weight loss, it's more about how do I feel? And people look in the mirror at the weight on the scale was when they were in their 20s and they get fixated on that. But again, there's no internal dialogue. How am I feeling right now? How do my joints feel? What is my overall health and strength levels? I think that's really, really important. When you're talking about the scale weight, the scale weight's probably never going to be the same, not necessarily even because you have gained a whole bunch of fat. I mean, we know fluid retention levels shift, sodium levels shift. We know that as you're enhancing lean mass, maybe you didn't even lift weights in your 20s and now you're you're lifting more weights or you've been more active in your life. The scale is going to go up because you are enhancing lean mass. The scale is not something that you should fixate on. It really is how do you feel and what do you want to achieve and and 
I think both confidence wise and health wise, how do you feel right now? Yeah. That's where I always start with people when they say, I want to lose or I want to gain or I want to, how do you want to feel? What, what is that going to do for your life to have this number goal or this time goal or, you know, in business, coaching people in business, everybody wants to make six figures. What does that even mean to you? What does that allow you to have? How will that make you feel? Because sometimes, especially if somebody's earning a thousand or two thousand dollars a month, to go to ten thousand dollars a month is this huge chasm for some people, not for everybody. But what if they could get to four? So it's like, oh, I want to lose 25 pounds before my daughter's wedding. Why? Well, I'll feel better in the dress. I'll look better. Okay, those are really good reasons. And will you feel better? Yes, I'll feel better. Okay, great. Now let's take that 25 pounds out of the calendar because it may or may not happen and just say, let's get you feeling like you want to feel that day of the wedding. It's a much more rational way of being at this point. Because as you know, as we age, the scale, and I don't think it ever did, doesn't respond to us the way it did when we were young. Mm -hmm. Right? When we were in our 20s, want to go to a dance or something, eat crazy for five days and you lose five pounds, right? Nowadays, you're not so much. Not so much. Yeah, no, it takes a lot. It does take longer and there are a lot of fluid fluctuations. The scale in one day can go up four pounds, mm-hmm. fluid shifts. So, and you know, I tell my clients that too, especially if they, maybe they ate something really, really salty the day before, but you know, I do do weigh-ins with my clients every four weeks. You get four weeks and if that is what they want to do as in losing weight and they want to use that as a parameter or a tool, we absolutely do that. But then when they start telling me they've weighed themselves every day or every week and the scale has gone up two pounds and down two pounds and then they start getting frustrated, then I'm like, you know, we need to take that out. You measure, you manage, and that is why you're weighing yourself once a month. Now you're starting to allow it to be your self-worth. And that's where there needs to be a shift. It's not your self-worth. It's, it's only a tool if you want to use it to manage where you are right now and maybe where you want to be or where it could be possible. Yeah. And that's, that's the other thing. What is possible? Some people get an idea in their heads. I have been there that this number will mean that I'm healthy or that I'm whatever. And the number really has nothing to do with it. And God forbid people get roped into the BMI measurement. Oh, gosh. Tell the people why we don't like BMI and what it is. Tell them what it is. Index is so inaccurate, especially if you're lifting weights or you're exercising. It basically is your height to weight ratio. It's measuring that you should be the specific average um, number. And if you don't hit that number, it means you're obese. It means you're unhealthy, your mortality and all of these horrible things. When in reality, it is not an accurate measurement. It is not taking into consideration how much lean muscle you have. For example, athletes, all of them show high. Yeah. The it's not accurate. It also doesn't take into consideration your nationality, your, your background and culture. There are different bone densities, for example. Mm. So it is, it's completely inaccurate in so many different levels. Just throw it out. Do not use it. (laughs) Which is hard because I don't know, you're in Canada, right? Yes. When you go to the doctor here for the first time, they often do a BMI and it comes on that piece of paper. You walk out of the office and it's like BMI, obese or BMI, high for her eight, right? It's like, shut up. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. One thing I will say when there, your weight or a healthy weight is correlated with reduced pain when it comes to arthritis, osteoarthritis, and, or your risk of osteoarthritis. So I have some clients, they're like, the only reason I want to lose weight is because 
I cannot lift my weight. It feels so heavy on my knee mm. back when I'm going upstairs. And I think that's a very legitimate reason for Absolutely. weight. Yeah. yeah. I think some, some women come to me and they're scared to tell me they want to lose weight. Mm. And I think it's because as it is wonderful that we are living in a society of body positivity. We have to, there, that shift has to occur. Absolutely. But I think it also makes people afraid if they genuinely want to lose weight because they do not feel healthy or they do feel in pain. One of my clients said she feels like I'm trapped in my body. That's mm. And so I think that's a, that's a legitimate reason for wanting to lose some weight. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. So tell people how you work with them. I know you do remote work. Yes, everything is online. So I do VIP online clients. So we meet one-on-one, -on -one. but my signature program that comes out a couple times a year, it'll be coming out again very soon is over 50 fit and fabulous. It's a 12 week program that focuses on weight training three times a week. There are bonuses in there so that if you want to do more, because that is genuinely a part of what you want to do, you can. There's also something called the Busy Lifestyle Backup Plan, which is another bonus, which takes the workouts and makes them short 10-minute workouts so that you can fit it in. And we do talk about weight loss as well as fitness with the weight training. And that program usually opens up January's and September's. And then we do a sometimes April I say we because, you know, I can't do this without my assistant that helps me do all of the work. She's the one doing all of the tech. Yeah. If it was me doing the tech, I don't know if I'd ever launch because I'd still be trying to click the, the restart button on my computer to figure out how to do things. So I do say we, she's very involved in it with me. So I, I have a we as well. She's been with me for 13 years. And at one point in time, I'd say like, I'm going to log in and change the title of a blog thing or I'm going to whatever add some keywords, invariably, the whole page would go wonky, like all the text would go fly to one side, and I couldn't get it back. And it's a Saturday. And I'm like, I'm so sorry to bother you. Could you possibly put the website back together? I've gotten better, as I said, but I'm still a little hesitant to mess with too much in the back end of things. Oh, I totally agree. I need a we. I need a we. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, if you need a we, we can pause this. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just used to the kids saying, I need a wee. <laughs> okay, so what is your website, Alicia? AliciaJonesHealthyLiving.com is the website. And if you want to go to AliciaJonesHealthyLiving.com forward slash waitlist, that is the waitlist for over 50 Fit and Fabulous. And if you get on that waitlist, you'll be the first to know the second that the doors open. Okay, great. And you're on Instagram, I gather. I am on Instagram. So what do you want to leave our over 50 women with before we say, well, let's see, start weight training. First off, if you're not, that is going to enhance so much for you, your energy, your quality of life, your health. So start weight training and remember less is more. You can do just two to three days a week. And that is more than enough to start your weight loss and healthy fitness strength journey. Perfect. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time, Alicia, and everybody else. Be well till next time. Hey, beeps, before you run, in case you're not 100% sure you're doing everything you can to age as well as you can, which means you'll feel better longer, you might want to check out my Age Better Lifestyle Assessment. It will give us a clear picture of where you are now and what small changes you might want or need to make to improve how you feel, how you look, and how you age. Check it out at rebelliouswellnessover50.com in the Work With Greg section. Thanks.